When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was a Friday in springtime, the most profound day in human history, though most people have no clue of this at the time. In Rome, the Emperor Tiberius sits on the throne, governing the largest empire to this point in history. Throughout the world, babies are born. People eat, drink, work, and love people die. But on this Friday, one death will change everything. In Jerusalem, Jesus Christ will be crucified. Tortured and chained through the pre-dawn hours, his hands and feet are pierced on this Friday morning so that he can be raised on rough timbers. The torment is long and hideous. The suffering and the shrieking cry of death are on public display. During the six long hours of his dying, Christ speaks. He addresses the world from the cross. His words are not just for those gathered within earshot at that moment. The words he speaks are for eternity. How do we know such details? How do we know it was six hours? How do we know that he speaks from the cross? We know because four people in the first century, eyewitnesses and compilers of eyewitness accounts, left written records of the death of Jesus on the cross. 
These are by far the most detailed accounts of crucifixion in the ancient world. These four accounts are, of course, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why did they do this? Why did they write down details of such horror? We don't need to wonder. We are told clearly amidst gruesome detail. John writes, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. This is eyewitness testimony. John is standing at the foot of the cross. He watches as Jesus is crucified to death. John and the other writers make a written record so that we can know the truth and believe. All four Gospels give more attention to the dying of Jesus Christ than anything else. The Gospel accounts don't just quickly pass over the ugly agony to get on to the good stuff of the resurrection. This is important. There's meaning in this. They don't just gloss over the terrible thing to concentrate on the happy ending. Instead, they make this part of Jesus' story the centerpiece of all they write. From the time of the earliest Christians, it's understood that Jesus' life gained its significance from his death. When we talk about the power of the cross, it's not just the historic detail that's important. It's the meaning these events are given in Scripture. Scripture records God's activity plus explains the meaning of it. This event is where we glimpse the most powerful truths about the Almighty. This is the great saving act of all time in which the grimy filth of sin is washed away in blood and water. In this flesh, the flesh of Jesus, the world is saved and the glory of salvation is revealed. Through centuries of darkness and desolation, the prophets foretold this time. The moment is the climax of the Jewish scriptures. The anointed one to come, the Messiah, the Christ, has now come. And this is what his saving grace looks like. What may appear to be just an imperial act of brutality is actually the ultimate act of divine love. Now in power and glory, all things are made new. This is what God's plan looks like. Jesus goes to the cross with full knowledge of what will happen and why. He's not just some hapless victim of a twisted Jewish leadership in a vicious occupying Roman army. Jesus reigns as king and lord, even on the cross. These are not the 
actions of a victim. They are the actions of a commanding figure who has power to direct the future of human beings. The next thing I'm going to say is important. Father and son are doing this together. This is not about vengeance, but love. His hour has come, and this is what it looks like. This is what our salvation looks like. Humankind is saved because of this. Our sins are washed away. And we're now clean, washed clean in his blood. Being washed clean in blood is a figure of speech in scripture. It's a surprising image. When you picture a garment being washed, giving it a good scrubbing in a bucket of blood isn't going to produce some clean and gleaming white piece of cloth. But the filth of our sinful souls is washed away by the blood of Jesus. Peter puts it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Blood and water pour from him cleansing and healing us. He is wounded and we get healed. With his last words, Jesus cries out, it is finished. It is finished is a cry of victory. Of the last words of Christ on the cross, none is more important or more poignant than it is finished. The Greek word translated as it is finished is tetelestai. This word in New Testament times indicated that a debt had been paid in full. The connection between what Christ accomplished here and a debt being paid would have been quite clear to the gospel writer's original Greek-speaking readership. It would be unmistakable to those first believers that Jesus Christ had died to pay for their sins. When Jesus speaks here, he declares the debt owed for all the sin of believers was wiped away completely and forever. Even as death engulfs him, Jesus is victorious. We are rescued through his blood. We have been freed. Jesus wins the victory as foretold by the prophets through the ages. It is done. He has finished his work of salvation. We are ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. This is what he has come for. He atones for our sin. Atonement is about making reparation for sin, paying the debt that was due. That was important, so I'll say it again. Atonement is about reparation, paying the debt. Jesus is saying, I've paid the debt in full. This is the action of God alone in the atonement. He at once both makes the sacrifice and receives it. 
God reconciles the world to himself and is at the same time reconciled. The death of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment in history of the very mind and intent of God. There is no place for seeing Jesus Christ as a martyr. His death was not something that just happened to him, something that might have been prevented. His death was the very reason he came. Never allow yourself to believe that Jesus Christ stands against God the Father out of pity and compassion for us, intervening against some vengeful father. Father and son are doing this together. It's not about vengeance, but love, radical, transforming love. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate, became our sin by divine right, by divine decision, by his own will. It is finished. The awesome and horrendous task of taking the sin on himself and paying the debt owed for that sin, the eternal work of Jesus Christ has been completed. No more does our sin condemn us. We are washed clean in his blood. He's taken our sin on himself to free us from it. Through faith in Jesus, we are made righteous in his sight and given life eternal instead of death and punishment the death and punishment we deserve. This is the undoing of death. Viewed without understanding, the scene looks like defeat, but this is what victory looks like. Jesus brings forgiveness, winning this victory for us. He gives us the victory that we could not earn for ourselves, Blood and water flow from the side of Christ, saving us from sin and death. The crucifixion is happening in conjunction with Passover in Jerusalem. Thousands of lambs are being sacrificed in the temple for the Passover, the gleaming monumental temple which looms over the city in whose shadow the cross stands. For over a thousand years, the Jews had been sacrificing lambs at Passover, the blood of lambs flowing in abundance. Now, this is the final, complete, definitive sacrifice. Jesus is the new lamb, the lamb of God, blood you and have water forgiveness flowing because from of his side. this sacrifice. You are touched by the water. In holy baptism, you receive that blood in holy communion. The divine blood and water are poured out as he pays the debt we cannot pay. Because of his holy blood and water, we are washed clean of all sin. In our minds, we step back through the centuries to behold the cross. What was it like two millennia ago for those who stood at the cross witnessing the horror but not grasping the glory? That Friday evening, the corpse of Jesus was 
removed from the cross. Imagine the scene. Caring hands pull an iron nail from the timber, freeing an arm that drops lifeless. The other nails are plucked from wood and flesh in turn. The body droops in heavy death as strong arms lower it to the ground. That Friday evening, the world was a changed place. But as the gray and lifeless body of Jesus was placed in the tomb, nobody yet understood that all things had been made new. None of his faithful followers were rejoicing in the knowledge that this horrible death bought salvation for humankind. That isn't even remotely on anyone's mind. They are horrified, disgusted, shocked, and grieving. They don't understand. Something had happened, but no one knew it yet. However, we can say for certain that the monumental events of that Friday were flooded with glory and divine love. This is what love looks like. His blood flows in love for you. It flows in a path that spells out your name. Let it shape you as you reflect on this sacrifice and believe.